Welcome to Onward in the Faith, a Christ-centered podcast for your heart and mind. My name is Ray Burns, and I write blog articles every week to encourage Christians to keep moving onward in their faith toward maturity in Christ. This episode is going to be an expanded discussion of an article that appeared on my blog at onwardinthefaith.com. The original article was titled, Why Do You Believe What You Believe? Asking why we believe what we believe is something that you'll hear often in this podcast, and it's something you'll see often on my blog. It's a very important question for Christians to answer because it really is the core of who we are. A lot of us know everything that we believe. We know what we believe. But if someone were to ask us why we believe it, we will often struggle to come up with a very convincing answer. And sometimes we will realize that a lot of what we believe doesn't have much of a foundation. For a lot of people, that can even mean completely walking away from the faith because they felt like they've spent all this time, maybe years, maybe decades, believing a lie. Now, when it comes to salvation and whether we believe it's true, a popular answer for explaining it is, well, I just know it in my heart. And then when someone pushes us on that, we'll realize that we can't really explain it or even debate why our belief is true. Now, some people might want to feel like, well, why should I have to defend salvation? I know it's true. I know it in my heart. Someone can't tell me how I feel or tell me that the thing I feel is wrong. But look at what 1 Peter 3.15 says. But set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. So it sounds spiritual to say we're convinced of truth and we feel it in our hearts and no one can take that from us. The problem is that our feelings are terrible indicators of what is or isn't true. It's our feelings that lead us to want to eat too much chocolate cake. It's our feelings that make us want to yell at our kids. It's our feelings that make us panic and want to lie to our boss or our spouse. What we feel is not a good gauge for what is true. And so that can't be what we rely on when it comes to something as critical as salvation. Now, let's think about this in another way. Let's think about things that we do have reasons for, things that we are convinced of. So whether it's a favorite book, movie, music artist, we all have reasons why we can say that this is the best thing in the genre. So you think about your favorite book. When we're telling someone about our favorite book, we'll tell them about the great character development, the author's writing style the story beats, the plot twists. There's always that one thing or several things that takes something that we enjoy and we can use that as evidence for why it is great and amazing. And sometimes, a lot of times, the things that we will try are often because someone has convinced us that it's worth trying. So we'll watch a movie based on someone's recommendation. We'll try a new restaurant based on someone's recommendation. We never go with these recommendations based on, well, I feel like it's really good, so you should try it. Often, people will give us reasons to buy into what they're saying. Now, when it comes to things like sin and salvation and our need for Jesus Christ, this isn't just a matter of preference. It's not vanilla versus chocolate. It's not something where I can say, well, this is my favorite book, but you may not like it. Everyone needs the truth of Jesus Christ. Everyone needs to know the reality of their sin and and where they stand before a holy God. In Romans 10.14, Paul says, How are they to call on one they have not believed in? How are they to believe in one they have not heard of? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? Now, if we're going to 
do what Paul is saying here, preaching the gospel to people, not as pastors and preachers, but just proclaiming the truth. How are we going to tell someone this is true if we ourselves don't know why it is? How are we going to stand in front of someone and tell them your thoughts and your actions have made you an enemy of the God of the universe? You need to repent. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. And if they say why, if all we can say to them is, well, because I believe it's true, that's not going to convince them. Now, salvation is incredibly important for us to understand, but it's not the only thing in our lives that we need to be convinced of. Everything that informs what we believe about the world, about our place in it, about how to handle our money, about how to raise our children, about the friends that we keep, everything that we do in life is based on what we believe about the world. Now, we can get our truth from things like subjectivity, which is our emotions, what we feel is right. We can get it from worldly wisdom, where the world is telling us what's right and wrong, and we go with it because it's popular, it sounds convincing, what have you. Or we can get our truth from the Bible. Now, things like subjectivity and worldly wisdom are how we can easily walk away from the faith, because those things, our emotions and the world, don't agree with God. But when we let the Bible be the source of our truth, then our faith will become stronger, and our walk with Christ will become deeper. Now, when it comes to getting our truth from the Bible, let's talk about a few questions that people have about the world, things that Christians are still talking about today. And I want us all to ask ourselves, if someone were to ask me this question, could I give them solid biblical truth to answer this? Or would my answer be based on feelings or emotions or things like that? So number one, is homosexuality compatible with the Bible? Now, a lot of us would be able to point to things like uh, Old Testament law and say, well, no, it's clearly forbidden in the Bible. But a lot of people, even in the church today, will say, yes, but that's an Old Testament law. That's what Christ freed us from. So what was forbidden in the Old Testament, we are free to enjoy now. So as Christians, how do we answer that? How far is too far before marriage? Or taking that further, when you're married, what is too far to go with someone you're not married to? Flirting, kissing, hand-holding... Is sex outside of marriage okay? You know, biblically, how do we defend these things? Can Christians smoke marijuana if it's legal? Now, for a lot of states, we're still not having to deal with that because we can see that God clearly calls us to respect and obey our authorities as long as they don't contradict God's law and God's truth. But in states where it is legal or becomes legal, can Christians smoke marijuana without sin? A really hard one that Christians deal with is why does God allow children to suffer and their abusers get to go free. And the final one, and one that especially younger generations are walking away from the faith because of this one, is how do you even know God exists? Now, if we say, well, the Bible says that God exists, then we have to ask, how do we know the Bible is true? A lot of people will answer with, well, the Bible says the Bible is true. But if we go with that kind of reasoning, then should we also obey the Quran or the Book of Mormon or any other religious text that says that it is truth and comes from some kind of a god? Now, some of these are hard to answer. Maybe all of them are hard to answer. But that's not a cause to panic. It's not a reason to say, oh, well, I don't know, so I should just stop believing it. When we don't know something, what that tells us is we have something new to learn. We have something in our faith that we can deepen. We have something in the Bible that we can find the answer to. Now, on top of that, 
a lot of times we can be afraid to even share the gospel with people because we feel like we don't know enough. We're scared that we won't have all the answers. And again, not knowing is not a good reason not to do something. So if, if we have a hard time explaining why God hates sin, what exactly Christ did on the cross, or whatever it is that we're nervous about having to talk about, we can still give the gospel to people. So if there's questions we have, if we don't know why we believe something, that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we shut up. That means we dig deeper. We turn to the Bible. We trust that the God of truth has given us all we need to know what truth is. Now, on the flip side of that, a lot of times if we have a belief and we don't know why we believe it, we can fall into one of two dangers. Now, the first one is that we can be easily persuaded by the next thing that comes along that sounds better than our current belief system. We see this a lot when people grow up in the church and they know what to believe. They can quote all the Bible verses. They have all the church badges, perfect Sunday school attendance, things like that. But they don't know why they believe it. And so then when atheism or another belief system comes along and says, here's why I believe this and here's why you should too. And Christian kids and Christian teens and Christian adults will hear that and say, this belief system has more concrete evidence for it than Christianity seems to. And so then we bounce to the next thing that sounds good. And on and on we bounce around trying to find truth and never really landing on anything. And that's exactly what we're warned about in Ephesians 4.14 when Paul says, As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, it's very critical for us as Christians to know why we believe what we believe so that we aren't getting thrown around like a boat on the ocean, not able to keep our footing and stand firmly in the truth. Another danger that we run into is that we might be too prideful to admit that the things that we think are true are flawed or just outright wrong. And instead of seeking the truth, we'll just dig in and plant ourselves firmly in what we believe because we don't want to admit to being wrong. And when we do that, we stop caring about biblical truth and instead just care about being right. And of course, the Bible encourages us to love biblical truth, love the things that God has revealed. And we see this in 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. As Christians, it's critical for us to rightly handle the Bible, to understand truth as we apply it to our lives and then teach it to others. Now, as Christians, we live in a remarkable time. We have access to almost any piece of information that we could imagine. Sometimes that's good for us. A lot of times that's bad for us. But whenever we have a question, we can usually find someone talking about it and willing to answer it for us. And that's different from the early church fathers because they had to carve a lot of this out on their own. They had to take the very basic things that we take for granted. Things like the Trinity. Was Christ fully man? Was he equal with God? Did he have a physical body? Did he really resurrect? Basic things that today we just assume are what the, our early church fathers had to wrestle with. Now today we get to stand on their shoulders and take the foundation they set and dig even deeper, go even farther in understanding the truths of God. 
Now, a danger with that, of course, is that it's not just about finding the right answer. If I were to take a math equation and copy it down on a piece of paper, I could not claim that I can suddenly apply trigonometry to my life. Likewise, we can't take a biblical answer that someone has arrived at and just say, aha, this is truth, here's what I believe. That can get us going in the right direction, but if we don't understand how a person arrived at that truth, we're not really going to embrace that truth for ourselves, we're just going to embrace the answer and hope that that person got it right. In the end, this is why it's dangerous to be what's called a Sunday morning Christian, a Christian who goes to church on Sunday They're singing the songs, they're praying, maybe even they're sitting there and repenting of their sins, but then they go home and for the rest of the week, Christ isn't very present in their minds. Maybe they'll do family prayers or devotions or things like that, but their lives aren't truly touched by Christ and the truth of the Bible. And when we have people around us who are constantly seeking truth, whether it's our friends who are hurting, our children who are questioning, even us who are just trying to get through life, trying to understand this world that God's created, if we don't know why we believe these things, ourselves and people around us might find it difficult to want to accept these things as truth if we don't know why they're true. Now, this blog and this podcast exist to encourage Christians in their walk with Christ. I'm never going to do that through things like motivational verses, emotional appeals, or even encouraging people to feel better about themselves so that they can live better lives. I believe that to live a truly Christ-honoring life requires us to love holy living and to set our minds after Christ. In other words, living for God begins in our mind, not our action, because the mind is the core of who we are. Now, when we have minds that are set on learning truth and loving truth, then we're able to engage life better because even if there's things we don't know and understand, our thought process is set on Christ. And even things that we may not have specific answers to, either we will know how to find them because we know how to handle the Word of God well, or we will understand some important principles that will help us to better piece through important issues in our current world, to where even if the Bible doesn't speak specifically about something, we know how to understand truth in a way that pleases God so that we can still engage the world while still honoring Christ. Now, I want to end with what is said in Jude 3, where he says, Dear friends, although I have been eager to write to you about our common salvation, I now feel compelled instead to write to encourage you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Now, as Christians, if we want to contend earnestly for the faith, if we want to fight for it, if we want to defend it, if we want to grow deeper into it so that we can apply its truths to our lives, that's all going to start when we understand why we believe what we believe. This has been an audio recording from Onward in the Faith. You can support this ministry every month by going to patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. To read the original article and more like it, visit onwardinthefaith.com. Thank you for listening.